So friends, this morning I am pinch-hitting, as they say, for Rachel Spollett, David's daughter and recent graduate of Yale Divinity School, who had been asked to preach today by the committee that planned this celebration of her dad. Rachel, who has been following in her father's footsteps, was so excited to honor her dad in this way, and we were all looking forward to hearing from her. Unfortunately, she came down with COVID, and she cannot be with us today. She may, she's no longer contagious, and she may join us on the lawn. We will have to wait and see. Also, one of Andrew's children has spiked a high fever, and he is unable to be with us today. But today you will hear many David-isms, <laughs> chief of which is that the best decision he ever made was to marry Jerry. It is foundational to me. before she prepared her sermon for her dad. We agreed this is a very hard tone to set. How can we talk about a 38-year-long career coming to a close and not have it sound like a eulogy? <laughs> David was so good at such and such. David was so committed to this or that. So a different idea. Let's call this a commencement address. This is the commencement of David's retirement. And at every other commencement address, you will be reminded that commencement means beginning. This is only the beginning. Graduates often feel un- or underprepared for the real world. And they tell themselves they are not ready. So a good commencement address will convince them that they are, in fact, quite well prepared, ready to commence with the real world. For all those anxious souls out there who think they're not ready, the speaker has the task of chasing away any imposter syndrome you might be feeling and reminding you how eminently qualified you are for this chapter in your life. So this is a sermon, yes. We will turn to the text and interpret the scripture and look for the good news, the gospel message. But today we have the good news to share that David, you are ready for the real, real world, which is what awaits you on the other side of work. You have done all the work required of you to earn this time, this chapter. And I am convinced and a little afraid that if I don't make a good enough case, you will show up for work tomorrow at 9 a.m. 
And if you do, Jerry will be very disappointed in all of us. What a blessing that you are so ready to be retired together and go off on your adventures. Jerry has so generously shared David's time with everyone in this room, and now you have time to be together. So I should also note, it is so very important to David that this should be about all of us, all of us who are in this room, not about him. A reporter has interviewed him this past week, and David said, please, don't let this read as an article about me. It's about what we were able to do together as a congregation. Well, sorry, David. <laughs> The final test or examination, if you will, is whether you can sit through a sermon that's mostly about you and not get up here and take the pulpit back and tell me to sit down. And I hope we'll still be friends after this is over. So back to the commencement address. Let's review the coursework David Spollett has completed over the last 38 years. Let's review together. Beginning David's coursework is name recognition. Yes, David took a course in name recognition. Actually, he could teach it. We all know this is a very important topic in the Bible. Moses says to God, what is your name before he's willing to enter an agreement with him? God tells Moses his name, and this is one of my favorite Davidisms. He repeats that the translation is best understood as the ground of all being or beingness itself. Names matter. God gives us new names and new identities. Abram, Sarai, Jacob become Abraham and Sarah and Israel. Strangers become friends and neighbors. The overlooked and outcast become beloved. What is your name? is a very biblical question, and knowing someone's name says so much. David never had to ask that question. We would go to David for the answer to that question. Who is that? And he'd say, oh, that's so-and-so. His great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was the Wakeman of Wakeman Hall. <laughs> so that's fair. But true story, this also happened. I said, do you know who that is? And he said, you know, he stood up beside his college buddy, one of 11 groomsmen, at a wedding that I did in 1995. His name is Michael Pratt. I actually don't remember if that was his name, but David knows who he is. No name went unremembered or unknown. David earned high honors in Name Recognition 101. In fact, the only course David had poor marks in was remembering if he'd already told you a joke before. <laughs> was the one he didn't get to say today about the godparents and the check. <laughs> and it needed its own laugh track from all of you, because you'd all heard it before. The only ones who didn't know it were the godparents, which I guess is why it worked. Another course which David had the highest marks in is history. Such high marks, in fact, that he taught at UB, at Fairfield U, and UCC Polity at YDS. But more than that, 
He taught all of us week after week in Bible study and in sermon, keeping the vows of his call to ordained ministry to preach and teach. And beyond that, he let his life tell the story and tell the good news. They say, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. David did that. The title of the next series, of course, is David Aced. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, which was also a prereq for the next course on justice and its fruit, which is peace. David never, ever made anything about him which is why he's so upset right now. <laughs> he was always pointing the congregation to the deeper meaning. Like our scripture reading this morning, Jesus lived his life to point to God the Father. And David has lived his life in the same way, to always point to God and all of God's love for us. David once paused a sermon to ask the congregation another Davidism, and he said, Does the church exist to serve itself? And a child shouted back from the pews, No! The church exists to serve the world. As intelligent as that child, now young adult, is, he knew the answer because of all of the times David repeated that message. The church exists to serve the world. David has a servant's heart. In the corporate world, so I'm told, bosses introduce themselves as the boss, and they do not always introduce the people who work for them. They request coffee runs. They build themselves up. They place blame on others. They take credit for the successes of the team. David walks humbly. He was the one who would brew the coffee or walk down the block to fetch the coffee, and he knew just how all of his colleagues took it. He remembered his colleagues' birthdays and would bring the candles and the cake. To hear him talk over the last nine years that I worked with him, he would introduce himself as David, who worked with the Reverend Jennifer Campbell or the Reverend Vanessa Payne Rose every time he introduced us. A few years back, you might remember, a video went viral of a college professor at the whiteboard holding a baby while teaching the class so that the child's parent could sit there and take notes on the lecture. If we had been videoing church meetings, if we had Trinity with us back then, David would have been a viral sensation. He was doing this long before. If I brought my little ones to work with me when I was the Minister of Children and Families, he would hold them during the meeting. I have pictures to show it. But of course, it wasn't about building up only the team around him, but building up the entire community. Did you know that for years there was a phone booth in town with a note inside? If you need help, call Pastor Dave at First Church and the church phone number. Our phone used to ring off the hook. It was like a thirsty person telling another where to find water. And now the people who know where to find that water just share the contact of David's cell phone and his phone continues to ring nonstop now that phone booths aren't really a thing anymore. People are always turning to Pastor Dave for help. And he did. 
He helped thousands of people and while doing so preserved their dignity as children of God and many of us hardly ever saw it. He is always concerned with building others up. David is not proud, but if you want to get him bragging, ask him about his many mentees. All of us would call him a mentor, but each of them he would talk up and call colleague. Like the Apostle Paul tells us, to encourage one another and build each other up. Even this event, a potluck on the church grounds, is a testament to how David lives out the story. And this is another course he aced, living the story. The church was born around dinner tables, where people came together to realize that they were more alike than they were different, and to celebrate our unity around a shared meal and a huge open table, as we will do today in the churchyard. Moving through our scripture today, so trust me, I have read the Bible, translated some of it, and studied it for years, but I glazed over this passage which David loves, and he really brought it to the forefront of our conversations as a church. I really had to go back and check. Did Jesus really say that in that way? He did. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will do the works that I do, and in fact, will do even greater works than these. Jesus tells his disciples he has to go away so that they can have the Holy Spirit, which we celebrate coming today, so that they can do greater works than Jesus. And David would always tell us that, yes, First Church could do even greater works than the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who could not be everywhere at all times. And it is the Holy Spirit in each of us who allows us to do these things. So David guided the church through a process for First Church to become open and affirming in 1994, the first in our region. We are known for proclaiming the love of God for all people, all the time. He raised up the consciousness of a historically white congregation to recognize our own privilege and to enter into a strong and mutually supportive relationship with our siblings at First Baptist with the Reverend Dr. Sutton. He continued First Church's 37-year legacy of hosting the annual Holocaust commemoration to remember the six million Jews murdered in the Shoah. His work to build and unify our interfaith community cannot be overstated, and you will hear about all of these chapters later during toasts on the lawn during the party. David led us as a community into this practice of living the story, living in such a way that people can see the good news, see the gospel message being carried out helping us to live our story so that we can see the possibilities of God's kingdom breaking through. When David opened the doors to the church one day and found a man looking for the comfort of just a warm vestibule, David saw in his face the very face of Jesus and welcomed him in as an honored guest. And then he and Rabbi Waldman together built a nonprofit, Operation Hope, with a shelter that operated for 30 years and is now the most well-known nonprofit agency in Fairfield, based on resourcing permanent housing and job opportunities. Rather than simple charity, Operation Hope seeks justice for people and dignity. 
We welcomed eight refugee families and counting and countless apartment setups. We became neighbors to those who, who felt as though they were strangers in our midst. I would say that David took living the story for an egg. And finally, a course called Giving Comfort. The passage we read today is also a funeral passage. And David told me early on, if you can't do a good funeral, you should get out of the business. <laughs> a good funeral teaches us how to say goodbye. And fittingly, the final coursework we need to take with David is learning how to say goodbye, a good goodbye, and to release him, as we will do from his vows in a moment, and to let him go, trusting that we can turn to one another for solutions and comfort, to challenge one another, to raise up new leaders as he did, to answer that phone call, when people are looking for Pastor Dave and need help of any kind, to keep one another true to our open and affirming identity, our servant church identity, to seek first justice and then pray for peace, to walk humbly with God, to truly celebrate him as he enters retirement and look to the future with faith, to not be afraid of the next chapter either. So we have this for continuing coursework, to say goodbye. Even Jesus could tell his followers, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. I have a respect for lifelong learners, and I know you do as well. This is a congregation full of educators at all stages, and I'm certain in his retirement we would, bless and Jerry would too, a few continuing education opportunities. So let's suggest some things from, from the course catalog. Learn the meaning of, have a good weekend. <laughs> elusive end to the week, which we don't ever experience. It's out there. Hang out with Jerry, and Rachel, and Michael, and Andrew, and Addie, and Thayer, and Amory. Visit your siblings. Sit on the beach. These are in the course catalog. Make sure, make sure he gets good grades, Jerry, okay? Let the highs of your week be what your grandchildren are up to. And most of all, treat yourself, finally, the way you have always treated others, as beloved. As beloved and worthy of God's grace and mercy, and most of all, worthy of Sabbath rest and renewal. So David, I declare you to be a graduate of the class of 2022. You have earned the highest honors. We will continue to carry on your legacy here, and may your retirement commence.
First of all, I said, if you can't do a good funeral, get out of the business. I wouldn't say that as a corrective to you. I don't want anybody to think that. It's just a standard I've always had. I've said it to every student, every uh, student in preparation, every um, associate. Uh, clergy are invited, have the privilege of being invited into uh, people's lives in the most intimate and sometimes difficult times. And it is a, um, it is a privilege. It's a huge responsibility. And uh, there are no do-overs you know, with humans. You can preach a clunker of a sermon and people say, well, next week go get it, Dave. <laughs> but you have to take care of people when they have to be taken care of and do it well. And, and you do. I want you to know that. And the other reason I could retire with as much confidence as I have uh, at this moment, I mean, I'm ready for retirement, right? I mean, anybody who knows me knows that. Um, but I can retire uh, for two reasons. Because of you. I've never felt that I had to stay uh, because you wouldn't know what to do without me. Really, haven't. I've stayed because it's been great being with you. It's been a privilege. It's been an honor. You've enriched my life, increased my faith, uh, given me an energy and a hope that I didn't think was possible, particularly in a time when hope uh, can often seem such an elusive thing. You've always renewed my hope. So I can leave confident because of who you are and who you have always been and will continue to be open to the movement of the Spirit, responsive, living the gospel in your daily life. The other reason I can retire with such confidence is because you have had the uh, eminent wisdom to elect Vanessa Payne Rose to be your next senior pastor. has gifts very different from my own. Thank goodness. And she is ready, beyond ready, uh, to lead you into the next chapter of what God has prepared for this congregation. And knowing that you will grow together in serving the world on God's behalf with the same passion and fervor that we have had together for the last 38 years, um, does nothing but give me uh, great hope and makes my heart very, very glad. So God bless you for having the wisdom to finally step across the threshold into the 21st century and say, hey, how about a woman? Not just how about a woman, but how about this one.